Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. He will say something is down on purpose. In fact, I have as my last thing to say to you gentlemen before the, the we close out the interview, the last thing I'm going to say is his quote, good luck, I hope you make it. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network, brought to you in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the CPB. My name is Joe Burns, and I'm sorry, but Tammy is not with us this week, so that must mean an interview, and it does. This week, we'll discuss the new book, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine, by authors and editors Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel. I have a copy. It is a beautiful book. It's a big book with a tremendous number of pictures supporting multiple writings about Bob Dylan and his life as a musician and voice of a generation. So, for an hour today, authors and editors Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel, Bob Dylan mixing up the medicine on Rock School. On the phone with me, the authors of a brand new book, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine, Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel. Gentlemen, both of you, thank you. Thanks for uh, speaking to me on the Rock School Radio Show. Happy to be here. Thank you. Fair enough. Now, look, I I have to ask you, do you call yourselves editors or authors? Because when you look at this, and and I'm just going to go ahead and, and compliment and blath all over you, this is a gorgeous book. I'm not sure if it's an academic book or if it's a coffee table book, but the number of pictures and the amount of authors, it, it had to take forever to put it together. Mark, I mean, how long did it take you to build this book? The book has been in the making uh, since the archive came to Tulsa in, in 2016 when the George Kaiser Family Foundation purchased it. Uh, and it arrived here in Tulsa. Um, shortly after it came, the first curator of the Bob Dylan archive, Michael Chaikin, and his colleague Robert Polito, a poet and professor at the New School, started coming to uh, bringing folks to Tulsa. Many of the contributors uh, in the book to have a look at the archive and do a public program here in Tulsa as part of a, a larger kind of civic renewal and engagement program that uh we've we've been doing and they asked uh all the people who came through to to choose one object and to write a short essay about it in whatever style that they wanted just to kind of get their take on on what it was they were seeing and that that was really the spine the the beginning of the of the book and that was in 2017 so that's about six years ago yeah I I found myself, you could read it sort of like a novel if you wanted to just go page to page, but what was wonderful is I could pick it up, 
and I could put it down at will, and it was fulfilling either way. And again, it works because of all the visual that's in it. It works as a coffee table book. Now, Parker, I'm going to throw this one to you. Anytime I get to talk to an author who's speaking on a major artist, I always, I do this with the Beatles a lot, but this is Bob Dylan. This is, this is objectively the most successful folk singer around. And I understand putting together a book on him, but let me ask you, why Dylan? I mean, there were lots of other folk singers in Greenwich Village. They all became part of the intensity and the stagecraft and all of that. You know, the Beatles, why the Beatles? So I'm going to ask you, why Dylan? Why did he, of all them, become the iconic? Well, that's a, that's yeah. a tall order to pick <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, You know, none of these, I don't think there's any sort of single source of success. One is clearly talent. Um you know, uh, Dylan uh, set himself apart in, you know, that Grinch Village, New York City folk scene uh, simply by writing his own, having the audacity to write his own folk songs um, and, you know, follow his muse. Um, you know, so that is a, a trait he displayed early on. Um, and one that, you know, he has continued to follow that muse as it's taken twists and turns throughout sort of the whole spectrum of American music. I mean, um, you know, if you take a look at the book in its totality, all of these various forms of music, not just folk, but, you know, Dylan started out as a rock and roll singer. Uh, he was interested in doo-wop as a kid, R&B, yeah. gospel music. Um, these are all there they just bubble up to the surface at different times. And so, you know, I think, um, I think that's, you know, certainly a part of his success. And then another is tenacity, uh, his, you know, the, the work ethic, I think you see throughout the book, um, is not just as he creating these sort of towering works of art, but you know, there's, there's labor often involved in that a considerable amount. Um, you know, looking at a song like dignity, um, which he recorded uh, during sessions for the 1989 album Oh Mercy. You know, in the book, it's represented by this uh, all of the drafts in the archive, about 40 of plus of them splayed out on a table, just to show, like, you know, this is the groundwork just to be able to bring this song to the studio. Where if you're a Dylan fan, you know the songs undergo even more metamorphosis, metamorphosis, um, and uh, you know there can be, you know many different arrangements and takes uh, and ultimately you know Dylan wasn't satisfied and, and left the song after the album so I think you know those are two of the things that I see um, you know the, uh, the the willingness to follow his muse wherever that goes and having an instinct and a talent um, that um, can feel superhuman at times um, and then just you know work ethic uh, his, mm -hmm. his ability to, to, to bear down and um, and you know see it through Mixing up the medicine, I'm on a pavement Thinking about the government The man in a trench coat, bad job laid off Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off Look out, kid, and hold like yourself a candle Don't wear sandals, and try to forge your scandals Don't want to be a bum, you better chew gum The pump don't work, cause the vandal's took the handle 
you guys have a bit of a, a piece in there talking about a little trio of events that occurred. And then the book stated that Bob Dylan had arrived, meaning not that he became Bob Dylan, as we talked about earlier, but that Bob Dylan had arrived. He, he was on the public stage, and that was the Ed Sullivan Show, also playing John Phillips' Monterey Pop and the Newport Jazz 63, which isn't the Newport Jazz that we're going to talk about later. What was it about those three concerts that, for some reason, now he was on the national stage? Sure. I, I think there are a number of sort of these important major concerts um, in Dylan's career, and, uh, and we talk about a few of them. Um, you know, certainly uh, Robert Shelton's review... 1961 New York Times review of Bob Dylan after seeing him perform very early on was a, a, a pretty big moment for for Bob. You can kind of watch through his uh, through the chronology of 62 and into 63 that uh, the shows are getting bigger. And April 12, 1963, you've got Town Hall, which is sort of his really his his first major uh uh solo concert really big deal um and there's a wonderful uh original hand-painted sign that we have from that in the book that uh uh, a collector named barry ullman let us use um and then you've got newport 63 uh newport Folk, folk festival um and and that represents a moment for Bob when the song Blowing in the Winds has really, you know, the popular consciousness. At the end of the concert, a litany of famous, important folk singers get together and are singing that song uh, with their arms crossed, holding hands. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, Bob's songs were, were on that sort of stage, on a national stage. And then Carnegie Hall that October. Right. Uh, 1963 yeah. was a really big year uh, for Dylan um, in terms of his overall trajectory and uh, public persona. And just as quickly as, as that star rose, he shifted gears the next year. Uh, uh, by mid-64, he was doing other things. And by the year following that, uh, 65, uh, he offended all those folkies for having gone electric. Why did he do that? Explain that to an audience who may know. They know the story, probably. Dylan played electric. There was a visceral reaction back at it. Why was that so ugly that that a folk singer would put down an acoustic and pick up an electric? By today's standards, it's a massive who cares. But back then, people got physically angry at him what did, what was the point who cares well well i think um i can hop in here yeah go I for think it that um well first off i think again you know it wasn't like this came out of nowhere at least you know for dylan you know like i said prior to this dylan had been a rock and roller at heart um you know as a teenager and had played in rock and roll bands in in high school um including you know several that he led and um 
you know, as early as the free wheel and Bob Dylan, uh, you know, that's done over, I think, eight sessions. Um, and some of those feature electric guitars. Um, you know, he had, it's not like, um, it wasn't a radical shift for him. It was just the next, you know, thing he was, he was doing. And so we delve into the, the story of the Newport Folk Festival in the book by um, using um, interviews that were done for the Martin Scorsese documentary, No Direction Home, with a lot of primary um, witnesses and participants in Dylan going electric. And, you know, there are a lot of different explanations for what happened that night, including to the extent he was actually, quote unquote, booed, you know. So I think it's become, um, you know, for a lot of the people there, it was, it made sense. It had nothing to do with Dylan going electric. It had everything to do. A lot of people actually just said the sound wasn't very good. Um, you know, that they hadn't had um, ample time to sound check and so that the levels were not right. And, um, you know, that Pete Seeger who often gets accused of, you know, trying to take it, uh, unplug the cord or take an ax to the, you know, cord to stop the show. It was his upset <laughs> was a, you couldn't hear the lyrics and B, his father, the, um, you know, renowned, um, ethnomusicologist Charles Seeger had hearing aids and, and he was, you know, they were just like exploding, um, with this, you know, electric sound. Um, and so he was, you know, protective of his, his elderly father. Um, you know, people in the audience say the same thing. The sound, you know, wasn't very good and, you know, it was hard to sort of make out, but in, you know, retrospect, as we, um, can watch those performances, I think they were really powerful. Um, and they, you know, they're not maybe the definitive versions of those songs. Um, but they're certainly, really, uh, you know, very interesting. And that's a moment that has, um, captured the cultural, imagination as a sort of you know shift in the zeitgeist yeah come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone if your time to you is worth saving then you better the order is rapidly fading And the first one now will later be last For the times, they are a-changing I'm such a big Dylan fan, which is really funny, guys, because my wife hates him. Hates with a burning passion, but I think he's great. Parker, I'm just going to say what I think, and I'll let you talk, and Mark, stick your nose in as well. I think Highway 61 Revisited and Like a Rolling Stone is the pinnacle of Bob Dylan. It goes no higher than that for the remainder, previous or after, on his in his career. Am I crazy or what? What do you think? I don't think you're crazy. I think, you know, <laughs> everyone is entitled to their opinion. Um, and if you dig any of the music, that's great. Um I personally, I find a lot of high points um, and uh, throughout up to the present, including, you know, the, the 2019 tour. Um, I haven't seen the, the 
the tour. I wasn't privy to any of the shows that just happened in Europe, but um, they were supposed to be spectacular. So I, I don't know. There are an awful lot of high, you know, high watermarks for me. And every time I think it just can't go any higher, it just can't be sustained. You know, Dylan surprises me. So I guess, um, you know, but clearly, you know, uh, at one time, I don't know if they've updated the list, but like a Rolling Stone was considered the greatest, you know, rock song of all time or the greatest Thank song you. of all time by Rolling Stone. And, and I think, uh, I mean, you know, that's a great song. You want to stick your <laughs> nose in? But I could in? also hold up, you know, another 10 that are, I think are like also tremendous. So, and that'd be scratching the surface. So I'll Mark, turn it over to Mark. Mark, you want to throw your nose in? Come on. I do think you're crazy. Oh, come on! Uh, and, 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 and not not because of your opinion on Like a Rolling Stone. But no, I it is one of the, the greatest songs recorded in the 1960s, without question. Is it my favorite? Some days, yeah. Some days, I want to hear Tangled Up in Blue. Some days, I want to hear most of the time. I, You know, it, it, it really depends on the on the moment. Let me throw another entirely self-serving question out there for you. It may have been in the book somewhere, and I just flat out missed it. The way the book is written, it's, it's, in, it's in edible chunks uh, each time you pick up the book. But Dylan, to me, and I don't know why this is, maybe because I've published on the song multiple times, but American Pie mentions Dylan constantly he is the joker in the song while the king was looking down the jet not the joker the jester the jester stole his thorny crown he's on the sideline in a cast did you guys get it all into the references inside of american pie that were so blatantly bob dylan no well uh, yeah i'm a musicologist by training that's what my phd is in and i don't do textual and analysis in the same way that somebody who studies literature, uh, English, that sort of thing would do. Um, Bob's had a lot of, you know, songs written about him, certainly. Um, Diamonds and Rust, uh, some other ones. Uh, Parker, what were you going to say? Oh, I'm looking for, uh, Dylan was actually asked this and has a quote about it, uh, but I can't put my, on a fairly recent interview but i can't put my fingers on it what well, yeah, was he was he was he happy about it or no no he was pretty dismissive oh it, I recall. well that's dylan i mean that's that's what he does i i think he i think he really he will say something is down on purpose in fact i have as my last thing to say to you gentlemen before the the we close out the interview the last thing i'm going to say is his quote good luck i hope you make it I mean, I specifically wrote that in there so I could say that as the last thing. Time to take our first break, but we're going to be back to continue speaking with Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel about their new book, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine on Rock School. Parker, talk to me about Bob Dylan and the Beatles. I read that it was, and maybe it was just suggested or maybe I misunderstood it, 
the song Norwegian Wood. Was that Harrison or was it Dylan? And then later on, Dylan is going to upset John Lennon and where he publicly states, save yourself, Bob. Was there was there tension between the Beatles and Bob Dylan? Oh, I don't um, I don't know uh, what tension may or, or may not have existed at various points. Obviously, you know, these relationships evolved over time, but um, most of what I've seen uh, is very complimentary. And, you know, for the celebrity or sort of mania around Dylan in 65, well, starting, I guess, sort of in 64, 65, continued onwards you know they're probably the only other people in the world who could kind of relate to that um and so yeah dylan met the beatles for the first time at the delmonico hotel in new york city in 1964 and they crossed paths uh during dylan's uk tour in 1965 um and it's uh it's john lennon who wrote predominantly you know it's a lennon mccartney but who pretty much wrote norwegian wood from rubber soul um which obviously sounds a little bit like uh, it's influenced by Dylan and then Dylan sort of responded with, or it's hard to say, I, maybe not responded, but Dylan put forth uh, a song called Fourth Time Around on the album Blonde on Blonde in 1966. It sounds a little bit like, you know, it it, it is in conversation with Norwegian Wood. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's sort of, it goes from there. The, the, some of the Beatles showed up to... Um, you know Dylan's concerts in 1966. They all came out, uh, except for Paul, to the Isle of Wight festival that Dylan played in 1969, which was a one-off concert appearance. Um, he headlined the festival. Um, uh, you know, in the book, you can see the, some of the Christmas cards that were sent to Dylan that year, including from McCartney, who couldn't come to the Isle of Wight because his first child was being born. Um, uh, we don't have it in the book, but Dylan, you know, uh, circulates on the internet. If you want to see it, there's a, a, a copy of the the letter that uh, Dylan wrote in support of John Lennon and Yoko Ono when they were having, um, you know, difficulties uh, getting their visas with the United States government. Um, uh, Dylan obviously had a warm um, relationship with uh, with George Harrison throughout Harrison's entire life, uh, and they performed in the traveling Wilburys in the late eighties. Um, you know, Ringo Starr shows up on Dylan's album shot of love and has been spotted at Dylan concerts in the past decade. And, you know, Dylan has said glowing Dylan and McCartney have said glowing things about one another. So I think, you know, whatever, uh, you know, if there are tensions, I think the, the overall feeling seems to be, you know, a positive, yeah. um, positive feeling let me uh, parker just keep going with this this i'm just making this one up the top of my head isn't it that isle sure. uh isle of right concert that's the one he took rather than doing woodstock am i right about that in 69 you know i i don't know uh whether dylan was formally um uh offered uh the opportunity to perform at woodstock so i can't comment on that but um but i believe that it the Isle of Wight Festival took him out of the area around the time that that uh, that the um, Woodstock Festival was happening, basically, you know, in Dylan's backyard. Okay, Mark, you got any insight in on that? Mark, you got any insight on that? No doubt, Dylan would have been a coup to play at Woodstock. Uh, I think there was a lot of expectation on the part of 
people streaming into Woodstock that, that they might catch a glimpse of, of sure. them. But um, I, I think they picked the wrong person and probably the wrong, you know, period in Dylan's life to uh, expect anything like that. Actually, yeah. I don't think at any point um, during his career, but yeah. So fine, do the bumps of jam in your prime. Then you like a complete unknown, like a rolling Let me get back to my list here. Mark, since you're talking, let's stay with it. Someone needs to explain to me. I know I could research it myself, but I got you guys on the phone. Someone has to explain to me. I'm going to make it Mark. What was Dylan's obsession or relationship with boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter? I've always known the two names together, but never understood why you know, the two of them are linked past the song. Can you offer me insight into that? Right. Yeah. There's there's a lot to be to be said about uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter. Um, you know, obviously his uh, arrest and incarceration and uh, the accusations of, of you know of of his guilt. Um, uh, there, there was a lot going on in the news around that at that time, and and Dylan also, uh, you know, obviously wrote the song. Um, let me actually let me get to uh, 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 let me let me start over on that if I could. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, so in terms of of Dylan and Reuben Hurricane Carter, uh, you know, Hurricane was. Uh, uh, wrongfully accused of a, a triple murder. Uh, the the you know broad strokes of the story are lined out in uh, Dylan's song "Hurricane," um, and he was you know it was in the news, and and Dylan uh, became uh, sort of it, it became a mission for him to uh, uh, have his his innocence be proven. Um, uh, Dylan did as uh, uh, part of the 1975 Rolling Thunder Review um, uh, the last show of the the 1975 leg of it on December 8th um, there was uh, the night of the hurricane at a uh, benefit concert at Madison Square Garden um, and all kinds of people came out for that. Roberta Flack and Coretta Scott King and Richie Havens was there, Muhammad Ali, and there are wonderful photos by photographer Ken Regan uh, of, of Bob and Muhammad Ali. Um, uh, Robbie Robertson was there. Uh, so it was a really high-profile concert designed, um, uh, you know, sort of in the vein of a, a Bangladesh uh, to raise awareness um, uh, for you know, the plight of Hurricane Carter. Um, you know, as an aside, uh, 
Ken Regan, the photographer, uh, was uh, photographed pretty much every important musician um, uh, for about four decades. He also uh, was a, a notable uh, photographer of sporting events, particularly uh, boxing matches. And Dylan um, has had his own, you know, relationship and fascination with uh, the sport of boxing, um, which crops up uh, across his career. I do know that Parker has some uh, some additional thoughts on uh, Hurricane Carter and, and, and one of the letters that we found um, to Hurricane. Which was what? I think it speaks to, um, you know, a little bit of the... the whatever relationship the two men had, which, um, you know, the, there's a, in the Rolling Thunder documentary that came out in 2019, um, again, directed by uh, Martin Scorsese, um, there's a, a more or less contemporary interview um, with Hurricane Carter, um, where he talks about how Dylan has always been searching and, you know, they have this, you know, inside joke where every time uh, Carter sees Dylan, he says, you know, have you found it yet? Um, and so, you know, as we were with that sort of idea of the quest or the search um, in the back of my mind, as we were pouring over all the manuscript pages in the archive and going through the correspondence, um, there was a, a letter from, from Hurricane Carter to Dylan in the late 70s. And it just kind of ends with, uh, you know, and I'm, that's what I wanted to tell you this afternoon, what you have been searching for. And so, you know, I think it's a lovely little thing that, you know, leaps across the the sort of intervening time to um, to tie it all together and, and give a little insight into the really, you know, again, a glimpse of the, the relationship these two men had and, and what, you know, they might have um, seen in one another. Let's take our second break and allow the affiliates to entertain you, but we'll be back to continue speaking with Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel about their new book, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine on Rock School. Parker, he mentioned the Nobel Prize in Literature. It's actually one of my final things here. Should uh, Dylan have been given the Nobel Prize in Literature? Does does his music rise to the level of literature? Well, you know, that's something that Dylan grappled with throughout the Nobel lecture that he gave. Um, you know, that is sort of at the core of it. And, and I, you know, I would direct your listeners to, to that which they not, don't have necessarily have to read. They can listen to him um, recite himself um, for the read. final word. 
<laughs> Don't yeah. have to read. I love that line. No, there's a, there's a, it's a, you know, Dylan recites it, and there's a lovely piano accompaniment um, done by uh, the pianist Alan Pasqua, who performed with Dylan as part of the 1978, his 1978 tour band. Yeah. Dylan seems to, uh, in that, you know, and I think that's where, where at least, you know, he's, sees himself maybe in the, you know, and I think this is actually Allen Ginsberg um, talks about it, seeing him in the ancient traditions of, of like the bards, you know, of, of a Homer, not that Dylan is comparing himself to Homer, but that, you know, there is this idea of song and, and, and performance and recitation that was a part of literature before it was on the printed page. And that, um, that, you know, that's part of the tradition that, you know, he could conceive of himself being in in relation to the literature but he also says songs are not literature and he encourages people to to listen to the music that that's where it comes alive right sure um it's not you know and, and that's an odd thing to say when we've just put a, a 600 you know eight printed pages on on dylan um but it comes alive in in the music and he says either you know on records or in live performance that's sort of you know where he sees himself um you know where others saw him i mean leonard Cohn had maybe the best line which was giving bob dylan the nobel prize for literature is like pinning the medal on mount everest <laughs> and i think you know there were a lot of of serious writers uh Semen rushdie um you know uh i know kazumi shigeru who won the nobel prize i think for literature i think the year after dylan is, is a big dylan fan i think you know there was a lot of like recognition and and, and good feeling <laughs> um and it's very easy to focus on those who you know kind of felt disgruntled or felt you know yeah. um that what bob dylan does is great but it's not literature yeah um, that's that's why i put the question in i read that in my secondary research and by the way parker mark uh parker mentioned the 608 pages the name of the book is bob dylan mixing up the medicine uh which i I love the title because uh, i play out every so often the dylan song that i play is subterranean homesick blues and that's you know right up there at the front of the first verse uh tell me mark where am i going to be able to buy this book is it available at fine booksellers everywhere oh gosh i i it will be it will be available everywhere in every place that you enjoy finding your books. It'll be in many languages, but the only place to get the book, a signed copy of the book, is through uh, Center. Immediately, it will devalue the book, cut the cut the book's value in half to have Parker and my name on it. But um, <laughs> it will be happy uh, to do that for any folks. And uh, yeah, BobDylanCenter.com. I haven't mentioned, and I should, uh, the book is really a companion to the Bob Dylan Center here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we have many of the objects that are in the book on display in the flesh, uh, and we're able to also get into the never-before-seen film footage and outtakes and uh, audiovisual materials that uh, can't be uh represented uh on the page um so i would encourage everyone to uh when you're coming through tulsa uh stop by the bob dylan center two doors down we have the woody guthrie center which we also operate um and uh yeah 
Uh, so if anybody's doing the Route 66, this is the place to be. You got a place to I stop. I would offer not just if you're passing through, but make it a destination. It's a wonderful. Uh, I'm I'm saying this as someone based in Chicago, but it's a it's a wonderful. Um, long weekend destination you know my first radio job out of college was in sulfur oklahoma so i went to tulsa and oklahoma city what's that i said that stinks (laughs) it it did (laughs) thus the name of the town pretty but had a bit of a smell gentlemen thank you thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day and talking to me i really appreciate it thanks so much it was our pleasure yeah thank you A, a real joy And the sun was shining I was laying in bed Wondering if she'd changed it all If her hair was still red Her folks, they said our lives together Sure was gonna be rough They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bank book wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through She was married when we first met Soon to be divorced I helped her out of a jam, I guess But I used a little too much force We drove 